0: Well, praise the Lord. We have covered a lot of ground this morning. Time is um, moving along rather quickly, so I have to move quickly with my message. Uh, I've told you before one of the ways to help me to move quickly is to pay attention and to say amen a lot. Because when you say amen, that means you're getting it. I don't have to keep trying to work that point. So it was going to be a lot of amens coming coming forth. I could tell. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's good to be in God's house. Amen. It really is. There is power in in our corporate gathering and our corporate worship. It's not um, the plans of man or the idea of man. Uh, It's the actual plan and purpose of God for his people to come together and to encourage one another. And I believe that one way we are encouraged is when we're in the atmosphere of other people praising and worshiping. And especially when we know what people are going through and you see them worshiping, you see them praying and you say, wow, if they can keep on keeping on, maybe I can. And so we do encourage one another and um, you know, we do pray and worship and read and, and um, engage with God throughout the week. Uh, we should, but there's nothing that replaces a corporate gathering. Amen. Something powerful happens. The Holy Spirit is manifested in, in the praise and worship of, of God's people. Um, and even in church, you know, I know sometimes we, we, we kind of rush things. But you know what I've learned um, that something good, when you're cooking, takes time. Now, I'm of Italian background, and and my mom used to make a tomato, well, you call it sauce, we call it gravy. It's still red, but we call it gravy, so I don't want to confuse you. So I'll say tomato sauce. And she'd make meatballs, and and, and she would cook, make it... For Sunday, every Sunday we'd have Sunday dinner, but she would cook it all day Saturday. Let it simmer, let it cook maybe three, four hours, and then the next day put it on, heat it up, and then we'd have, you know, the macaroni and the meatballs and all that good stuff. I'm making you hungry now. (laughs) But now, listen, um, you could go to the store and buy ragu. And microwave it in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes and have a sauce, but you just can't compare. Matter of fact, in our house, we never had canned sauce or jarred sauce, ragu. That was anathema, you know, that was, that was a mortal sin, you know, to have. Um, because for an Italian, you'd cook, and, and, and again, it took time, and, but it was delicious. And, and, and I use that illustration or uh, related to the things of God. You know, we still have that mentality. We want God on our time. Quick, do what I want. And we think He, he works on our clock. God doesn't. He's got His own timetable for things. They focus. We need to pay attention. And we need to, to wait upon the Lord. Because they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And so uh, we're not serving up ragu this morning. Somebody ought to say thank God. Now, if you, if you have ragu, I'm sorry. You know, you don't know any better, but you just got a revelation this morning. You just got a revelation that there is something better. Well, you know what? I got a confession to make. We got a confession. You know, God, we discovered, we discovered a, a canned sauce that is real, a jarred sauce that is good. So why did you make it? See, my wife's there and I'm feeling convicted. And it messes up my whole illustration this morning. But anyway, you want to know a good, a good jarred sauce? The only one that we will allow in our house is Rao's. Rao, R-A-O, apostrophe S. It is probably, take it from an Italian, someone who knows. It is a good sauce. But anyway... Um, That's probably cooked many hours in the, in the factory. Okay, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Let's see if I can dig out of this one. Luke chapter 11. I want to just quickly share something um, that I believe the Lord has placed upon, not only my heart, but what we sense in our church. Pastor Mike did such a great job last Sunday sharing on the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, you know, something that we desire here at Victory and in our lives is that the presence of God would would be made real in our lives, would be manifested. We would experience God. You know, we had a couple visiting a few weeks ago, and a young couple, they they have a desire to travel around the United States. They wanna visit every state in the US, 50 states. And what they're doing is they wanna go to a church in every state that they visit. So they came to us a few weeks ago, and um, they were here, uh, it was their 30th church. They had visited 30 states, and they chose in little Rhode Island to come to Victory Church, so we were blessed that they did. And you know what they said to us? They said that of the 30 churches they have been to, only, I think it was a handful, five or six churches, had they really sensed the presence of God. So I'm grateful for that. But, but, you know, it just goes to show you that we have to appreciate the presence of God. We have to cherish it. We have to make uh, God's presence welcome because that's, that's what really changes people's lives. And last Sunday around the altar, I mean, God was touching people as they responded to the message. We heard uh, several testimonies um, that people actually told us of how God really, God really ministered to them and, and touched them in a, in a tangible way. We need the presence of God. You see, look what the scriptures say. We want to look at this verse of scripture, if you will, with me in uh, Luke chapter 11, um, verse 11. Jesus had just been teaching on prayer. He had taught his disciples uh, um, how to pray. They had asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave them what we call the Our Father, what could be called the Lord's Prayer. And it is not a prayer to be prayed um, just mindless repetition, but it's actually a model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, I won't go through it all. And then he taught, taught them on persistency, of just being uh, persistent in prayer, that you have to keep asking sometimes, you have to keep knocking, you have to keep, you have to keep seeking. And he gave an illustration or a parable, and then he gave a parable which in my Bible says, the parable of the good Father. The parable of the good father. And he says, if a, man, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? Jesus said, if you being evil, and what he meant by that was that he was talking about our intrinsic sinful nature. That that you and I are all sinful by nature. And and even at our best, we can't compare to the goodness of the good, good Father. We are evil in comparison to him. He says, even in your condition, even in your uh, state of sinfulness, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You see, this scripture came to mind in relationship to the Holy Spirit in relationship to Father's Day. Because we come all as children of God and we have a loving Heavenly Father who desires to give us the greatest gift that we could all receive and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you see, you know, what I've learned in life, the reason why God allows some of the trials. Is anybody going through a trial this morning? Sometimes we go through heartache and difficulty. Sometimes in our life and our walk with God, and, and this is not just for any particular age group. I believe all, even young to the oldest, we all have trials that are peculiar to our age group through you know, what we're going through and facing in life. But I believe that God, He allows some of our trials and some of the overwhelming circumstances. You know, sometimes in life, you know, a couple of little problems could, we could weather the storm. And they could even be small. But, you know, I like to say it this way a couple of pebbles won't overwhelm you, but an avalanche of pebbles will bury bury you. And sometimes in life, it might not be a big trial, it might be just a bunch of problems, little problems, that just kinda pick up momentum and they overwhelm us. But whatever it is, one of the reasons, one of the reasons, now there are many theologians and philosophers have wrestled with this issue from eternity past. But one of the reasons that I believe That God allows the overwhelming circumstances, the trials, the difficulties, the suffering in our life is so that we would come to the end of ourselves. So that we would come to the end of our strength. The end of our wisdom. You know, see, human nature, we could be very proud. Not when I say proud, sometimes we think of a certain posture, somebody walking around like with their chest out and thinking that they're all in and they know it all. Sometimes pride could be, could be, you know, kind of subtle in our lives. But I think we're all prone to pride. And what I mean by that is we think that we have the answers. We think we can figure certain things out. We think that we're invincible sometimes especially when things are going well. Even the psalmist David says, you know, in my prosperity, I said I'll never be moved. But then the next verse he said, Lord, you shook my foundation and I was undone. He went from one moment saying, I'll never be moved. I've got it all together. I've got all my ducks lined up, whatever that means. I've got it all together. But then the next breath he says, Lord, you, 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 you show me some trials and then I realized, uh-oh, I don't have it all together. And you see, in our human nature, in our pride, we think we've, we can figure it out. We think we can take care of business. But, but I believe that one of the reasons that we come to the end of ourselves and our wisdom is not enough. Our strength is depleted. Our abilities are insufficient. Why? Because at that point... At the end of ourselves, when we're empty, when we're at the end of our rope, then God's power is supernaturally released. Come on, somebody say amen if you wanted me to get moving this morning. Say amen. Come on. The, you see, we come to that place where God's power is released because breakthrough does not come unless there is brokenness. You see, brokenness proceeds Breakthrough. And God allows us to come to our at the end of ourselves. God allows sometimes all hell to break loose so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord can raise up a standard against him. You see, the scripture that came to mind was in, was in relationship to the Holy Spirit is, is thinking on Father's Day that we have a heavenly Father who will give the Holy Spirit simply to those who ask him. You see, in this passage of scripture, uh, Jesus told a parable, he says, if a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? A fish, will he give him a serpent? An egg, will he give him a scorpion? Now, now in, in Bible times, in first century Israel, uh, those would be the essential food items of the people. Bread, fish, and eggs. For Italians, it would be macaroni. In some African countries, it's rice. In a lot of African countries. I was in one African country and, and the pastor told me, said, if people, uh, people could eat all kinds of food all day long, but if they didn't eat rice and you asked them, did they eat, they'll say no. <laughs> they didn't have rice. It, don't, it didn't matter what they ate. They'll say no. Need rice. Amen. Rice in all kinds of shapes and sizes and flavors. But the essential food items in the first century, bread, fish, eggs, and and each item, see for just a little bit quickly, a little bit of background here, each item could resemble something else and bring confusion or deception. A bread was that flat pita bread that could actually look like a flat stone. The fish, a small fish could look like a serpent if it was shaped a certain way. An egg, a scorpion could roll up and resemble an egg. And what was Jesus saying? The lesson of the parable is even an earthly father, being evil, would never deceive his child, would never... uh, In any way bring confusion, he would still give good gifts to his children. And we being evil in comparison to the holiness and the perfection of God, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You see, God will not bring confusion. God will not refuse to give the Holy Spirit when we ask Him. He will not deceive us into thinking we're getting something else. He will not give us anything harmful. Our earthly father's only desire to give good gifts to his children, but how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? That word father in the text, the New Testament is written in in Greek, but there were certain Aramaic words that found their way into uh, the vocabulary of the people. And that word for father in the Aramaic was Abba, Abba. And I love when we were in the the land of Israel, we would constantly hear that term. It's still used today, Abba, Abba, when they would call father, their father. And you know what that word expresses in in the original language? A warm, intimate relationship that exists. And when, when Jesus used that, what he was saying to you and I, that we have a warm and intimate relationship between God, our Father, that you and I as his children have that very special relationship in that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, we will receive God's presence in our life. Amen. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. You know what that power is? It's the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you, toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit. In that verse, three times the word all is used. I love that. Not just some, not just part of it, but all grace, all sufficiency, all things that we might have an abundance for every good work. John chapter 7, Jesus stood up on that last day, that great day of the feast, he lifted up his voice and he said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke, the scriptures say. This he spoke of the Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Today we know Jesus is glorified. We know he is at the right hand of the Father. And we know that he is pouring out the Holy Spirit on his people. Can you say amen? Acts 3:19 says repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We need a season of refreshing. All that the people of God have gone through in the last couple of years. God will not leave us barren. God will not leave us parched. God will not leave us dry. But he will pour out his spirit upon hungry hearts. Can you say amen? We need a season of refreshing. You know what refreshing is. You can be traveling somewhere. You could be in a foreign country maybe. You could even be in the United States somewhere where you haven't had a drink of water. You haven't had a a refreshment. And and you're so parched and there's nothing like a nice cold glass of water. The refreshing that it brings to you. And the Bible says that that same refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, we see on the day of Pentecost that God through Jesus sent his spirit and that the people of God were all filled. This is Acts chapter 2. And you know what happened in Acts chapter 4? The Bible says that the church was praying together and they were filled with the spirit. Now, what I like to note about that is that these same people that were filled in Acts chapter 2, just maybe a few days or a couple of weeks later, they were refilled. That's what I'm contending for this morning. That's what I want for you this morning. That's what I want for me this morning. I want to be refilled with the Spirit. They had been filled, but they were filled again. Do you know why we need to be filled? Because we leak. You know what the Bible says? We have a treasure... In an earthen vessel, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency may be of God and not of us. So what we have, the Bible says, Paul is saying that in 2 Corinthians, we've got a treasure. What is that treasure? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. We have a treasure, but it's in an earthen vessel. That means it's in a clay pot. That means you and I are just human. We're just flesh. We're just just nothing. We're just a clay pot. I like to say it this way. We're a cracked pot. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you might have been called that along the way. Uh, In a cracked pot, in in a, in a, a, a earthen vessel, it leaks. So you and I need to be filled. We need to be filled. We need to be refilled. Can you say amen? Come on, say amen. I'm almost done. Out of your innermost being, shall flow rivers. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up right now. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by that. Amen. Out of your innermost being, Jesus said, well, rivers, rivers will flow. I think we all should be challenged. I think we all uh, should, should be provoked and, and to a place of, of a hunger and a thirst because out of your innermost being, Jesus said, there will be, that's your spiritual part of you. Your spiritual part. The innermost beings shall flow rivers of living water from inside of you. Turn with me, turn with me to, to Isaiah. I'm sorry, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, I'm almost done. Psalm 84. The word of God declares... Verse 1, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of Hosts. My soul longs, does your soul long. My soul even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Come on, is there a cry in your heart this morning saying, God, do it again. God, fill me again. God!" me again. God anoint me again. God flow in my life again. Look what he goes on to say in verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. What does it mean to be on a pilgrimage? It means you're on a journey. It means you're going somewhere. And you know what? Sometimes the journey, I shouldn't say sometimes, all the time in life In one season or another, the journey is going to lead you through suffering. Look what it says in verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca. You might have a little footnote in your Bible. You know what Baca means? It means weeping. It means weeping. As they pass through the valley of Baca. I love the fact that they're going to pass through. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're just passing through your weeping. You're just passing through your suffering. You're just passing through. Hallelujah. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Come on. You know what? In the middle of their weeping, in the middle of their suffering, in the middle of passing through that valley, you know what? They make it a spring. God does something in the middle of it. There's a springing up. There's a flow. Look what the Bible says. It says, the rain also covers it with pools. Verse 7, it says, they go from strength to strength. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm going to go from strength to strength. Come on. I didn't come this far. For God to leave me. God didn't lift me up to let me down. Come on, God didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. They go from strength to strength and every one of them appears before God in Zion. Would you stand together with me this morning? I want to declare to you that God is raising you up through the power of the Holy Spirit to live and to dwell in the tangible presence of God. To be filled with peace and joy during times of chaos, in crisis, in confusion. Hallelujah. You see, according to Acts 3.19, I read earlier, God is going to come and visit you. He's going to refresh you. He's going to restore you. He's going to renew you. God's going to turn your valley into a pool of blessing. Come on, I declare it this morning. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. Many are going through a valley, a difficult and overwhelming season, weary from the battle. But God is going to turn your valley into a season of blessing. You are going to go from strength to strength. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Before we close, as they begin to sing, I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you quickly. Just going to take five minutes. Would you move out of your seat? Would you come forward? Come on, would you say to God, I'm here for you to fill me. I'm here for you to give me that gift. Come on, if you be in how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? I just want you to begin to ask right now. All over this place, just begin to ask. Come on, God wants to give you a a, a season of refreshing. God wants to give you a fresh anointing. God wants to touch you. Just ask Him. Say, give me the Holy Spirit as we begin to sing. And then I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the Spirit was moving over the waters, the Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us.